just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. And, uh, you know, we've been having the statewide candidates for office on for over the last uh, month or so since the show has began. And uh, we're joined now by Attorney General candidate and former Boston City Councilor Andrea Campbell. Hi, Councilor Campbell. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Marcus? Good evening. Uh, good evening. So um, just if you want to briefly introduce yourself uh, to the audience and tell us, you know, tell them why you are running for attorney general and why you want them to vote for you tomorrow in the uh, Democratic primary. Yes, I've been stressing this is an essential race. The attorney general can do so much to help residents with housing, affordability, discrimination, anything and everything having to do with the Supreme Court, health care, the well-being of our children, mental health, you name it. And so I jumped into the race stressing some distinctions between me and my opponent. One is that I've lived the very challenges that many residents uh, are facing. All of my biological parents are deceased. All of my biological grandparents are deceased. And my twin brother would die 10 years ago while in the custody of a prison. Um, and so for me, I've always dedicated my life to breaking those cycles of poverty and and incarceration and criminalization for other families. I've turned that pain into purpose every single day. I'm the first in my family to go to college and the first in my family to go to law school. And I've dedicated my life to being a public servant to make sure this incredible state delivers the same opportunity to every other family in Massachusetts. And the Attorney General's office is uniquely positioned to do just that. We're speaking with Andrea Campbell, Democrat candidate for attorney general, who's on the ballot tomorrow, September 6th. So, um, Andrea, uh, you have uh, recently criticized your opponent uh, in this race um, for the way that she is funding her campaign. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, we are running a people-powered grassroots campaign. Um, and I, can't, I just can't stress, we have been crisscrossing this state and going into communities that feel left out and left behind, I recognize we're a Boston-centric state. And so I've been really getting out there to do the work. And my opponent, on the other hand, is trying to buy this election. She has spent close to $10 million of her own money in an effort to buy it. And I'm working to earn it. I've always fought my entire life for everything I've had. I'm not taking anyone for granted, would never take the voters for granted. So we're going to keep getting out here to stress the distinctions. But also to let folks know I'm looking to earn this race and work for it um, and not to buy it like my opponent who spent close to $10 million. <clears throat> so, Andrea, this is uh, Chris McCarthy. And um, so, first of all, I've been fascinated by your campaign. I think you'll be one of the first uh, locally elected officials who's, who's elevated up to uh, up from from the council member to uh, to the attorney general. Um, you're being supported by uh, Attorney General uh, Maura Healy. One of the things Maura Healy did is, is open an office here in New Bedford. So... Should you be elected with Maura's support? Is that something you'd look to keep keep the office open here in New Bedford? Absolutely, and and thank you. I, I will tell you, I'm honored to have Maura Healy's support in this race. Um, but even then, right, not taking anything for granted, I've been to New Bedford several times, Fall River as well, and I actually think the New Bedford office, there are so many folks who don't know it exists. So not only would I keep it, 
I would expand it. I think you need to hire more folks from the community. You need to make sure it, you're hiring folks who have different language capabilities, culturally competent. So there's a real uh, partnership between that office, local elected officials, and the folks on the ground who are doing the work every single day. So I think it can. I think it probably requires more resources. So you had a Gateway Cities tour during uh, your campaign where you talked about, uh, I mean, you, you've, you toured uh, every Gateway City in the Commonwealth, like you said, including New Bedford, Fall River, Taunton, et cetera. Um, what are some of the major issues that you heard when you were talking to the residents of these, um, of these uh, cities? I, I intentionally launched the Gateway Cities tour early in the campaign because I know in Massachusetts we're such a Boston-centric state. I live in Mattapan in Boston. It's one of the poorest parts of the city of Boston. But I also understand when you talk about Massachusetts, when you talk about the issues, it's usually always framed from that Boston lens. And so I wanted to get out there into our gateway communities to hear what folks were grappling with and to talk about all the ways an attorney general could help. What rose to the top is that many of these communities feel left out and left behind. And I said as AG, I would never leave out communities. I would be present. I would show up, strengthening the regional offices, expanding them where where none exist. But also what also came up was housing affordability, just how expensive it is to live in Massachusetts. There is a lot the office can do to help with either a potential foreclosure crisis, help people actually buy homes, deal with uh, tenant protections, which is really important as folks are being pushed out of their homes. I also heard about jobs and wages and inflation which economic prosperity and not just for an individual but for a family and for a community there are a whole host of ways the ag's office can work in partnership with local officials to build wealth in communities for those residents through the receivership power and so many other tools the ag's office has and i think that is really important and also redefining how we talk about these communities you're not just gateway communities that people just pass through these are communities that are actually generating economic opportunity right now, but need greater support, need to be centered. Um, and if we don't do that, well, we're all in trouble as a state because these communities are generating economic prosperity, not just for their community, but for a region. Um, and as the mayor of New Bedford said, we should be calling them center cities, um, not gateway cities, because how do we support them in, in generating this economic prosperity is critical if we want everyone in this state to have access to basic opportunity. We're speaking with Attorney General candidate Andrea Campbell. So, actually, as you were um, as you were speaking, one of your uh, television ads that was paid for by your campaigns is paid for by the friends of Andrea Campbell. is is actually uh, actually went on screen. It talked about all the endorsements that you've gotten to include uh, the the Boston Globe and uh, Attorney General Maury Healy, which we we spoke about a little bit earlier. Um, can you talk about those endorsements a bit? I mean, it's quite a thing to have um, Attorney General Healy, who's unprecedented, who's running yeah, who's running her own. <laughs> campaign for governor use a lot of her own campaign or, or use a lot of her own resources and her 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 presence um to to help uh you ele elevate you to the attorney general's office why did why did she do that it is significant and it required political courage we were campaigning today we we're actually just phone banking and calling voters because we're not slowing down she cares deeply about that office she has worked in the office the last 15 years. She served as AG for the last eight. She knows and she knew all the candidates very well um, and worked with us. And she said, Andrea Campbell is the best person to bring the office to the next level, to ensure that our gateway communities are not left behind and to continue to push for economic opportunity, to ensure that racial disparities are taken on, um, to also make sure 
that people who feel marginalized, invisible, that they would be seen and heard by this by this office because she recognizes in my personal story, as tragic as it is, it is relatable to so many who feel left out, left behind. Um, and for many reasons, she has been getting out here to say, I know Andrea Campbell is the best person to lead this office, um, not only locally and to focus on the issues we have here, but even nationally. Massachusetts is a leader nationally when it comes to the work the AG's office does. How do we continue that leadership uh, on the national stage? And that's also significant and important to her as well. And I, I just can't stress enough, even with more Healy's endorsement, of course, I'm still getting out here, as you all know, uh, crisscrossing the state because I don't want anyone to think I'm taking it for granted or that I'm trying to buy the election. And I also have to acknowledge Quentin Palfrey, um, who was a candidate in this race. He was at one point one of my opponents. He suspended his campaign and is supporting me in the race um, for similar reasons as Mora is. And so we just have to keep getting out here and, and can't slow down. Yeah, Andrea, um, you have, uh, as a Boston City Councilor and just as a as a human being, seen the incredible uh, carnage that has been brought by the fentanyl and opioid crisis um, that was brought by, maybe really by companies, and now it's being taken over by Mexican drug smugglers, things of that nature. Um, what are you going to do day one on the fentanyl crisis? Well, number one is immediately uh, continue to implement uh, the settlement. Right. Obviously, yes. our current AG and others have taken on the Sackler family and gone after a lot of bad actors in the context of the opioid crisis. Right now, the question is, how is that money going to be dispersed to communities to help them deal with uh, this crisis in terms of prevention, intervention uh, and, and really helping break the stigma around many of these issues? And I think there's great investments to be made, but we want to make sure that communities outside of Boston, for example, don't feel left out, left behind. That is critical. I also think we need to think about other types of bad actors, whether it's corporate players or others who are profiting off of our pain. I think this connects to mental health. We often don't connect the conversation of the opioid crisis. I would say drug abuse is really important as an uptick in alcoholism and other types of drugs and substance use disorder, along with mental health. All of it is, is, is very intersectional. I think and know the AG's office can do a lot more to make sure that folks have access to mental health services, behavioral health services, really working with insurance companies, frankly, uh, to make sure our residents can easily assess, uh, access these critical services, which are just as important, and not just for adults, for young people. I'm a mother of two boys, and it's been heart-wrenching to have store, uh, conversations with parents or caregivers all across the state or guardians who are fearful about the well-being of their children because of the uptick in anxiety, depression, substance use disorder that they're seeing. So there's a lot the office can do. So we're speaking with Andrea Campbell, uh, candidate for uh, attorney general. She's on the ballot tomorrow in the Democratic primary, September 6th. Uh, so um, Andrea, you've been endorsed by our uh, city council president, Ian Abreu. I know you were uh, at his event in uh, at the airport grill in New Bedford. Um, uh, you've gotten a lot of municipal uh, endorsements, I think more than any candidate in the race. Why is that? One is because I showed up. Uh, the council president, I was just actually going back and forth with Ian earlier. I called him and said, hi, my name is Andrea Campbell, and I'd love to earn your support. Um, I then told him I was wanted to come to New Bedford, and so I showed up to have coffee and, and conversations with folks on the ground and to listen to the work they were doing. 
and to connect it to the AG's office to talk about how you could strengthen the work, including the regional office, which some of the local city councilors didn't even know existed. And so I have continued to get out here to actually earn the support of local elected officials. I've also prioritized those conversations. I come off the city council in Boston, and I know that legislative experience is critical to actually getting things done. Local electeds are helping real people with real problems, um, and they're developing real solutions in the context of housing, in the context of health care, um, just basic constituent services, public safety, you name it. And so I have been prioritizing uh, their work and saying I want to be an AG that partners with folks on the ground who are doing it every day and to be more intentional running an office that has a bottom-up approach. We're speaking with Boston City Council President, our former Boston City Council President and uh, candidate for Attorney General, Andrea Campbell, who's on the ballot tomorrow, September 6th. So one of the main uh, main focuses of the Attorney General is um, consumer protection. Uh, Moore Healy, I think, has been, I think a lot of people agree, a, a strong advocate on that front, uh, securing uh, securing tax, uh, tax dollars or securing dollars for uh, and returning dollars back to the taxpayers of Massachusetts. Um, how is Attorney General, are you going to be uh, you know, um, continue and expand on that role as a consumer advocate? The consumer advocate role is, is critical, and I appreciate you mentioning that because I think there are many folks who don't know that component of the office. Uh, in the context of housing, for example, what's been coming up quite a bit, there are many tenants right now where who are being pushed out of their homes, landlords using all types of practices to do that. Um, I was actually talking to some local leaders recently about landlords who, for example, promise tenants that they're going to refurbish their home. They tell them to move out, and they promise to move them back in once the project's complete, and that's not happening. Um, or a recent conversation about a group of elders uh, where a landlord was making similar promises. Well, that didn't happen, and those elders ended up homeless. And the last thing we want, of course, is seniors, anyone ending up homeless because that's more expensive to deal with. So there's a lot to do in, the, in protecting tenants, of course, while striking a balance with the rights of landlords, but landlords that are doing these types of things should be held accountable. In addition to that, what's coming up quite a bit is just fraud and, and fraudulent scams in our community, in our elder community, um, especially really folks targeting elders and either swindling them out of their homes, money out of their bank accounts. So I propose actually starting an elder justice unit. So not just having a hotline in the office where folks call, but using the Consumer Protection Bureau, the Criminal Bureau, uh, other bureaus all working together in, in divisions to address these issues and to get more accountability for our constituents to be able to return the very thing they were uh, defrauded out of. Um, there's also a lot more to do in the context of just online transactions and banking. There are many folks who are starting to use all types of apps to do their banking and they're using social media to do their customer service. So in addition to being reactive to constituent cases, I think the office also has to be more proactive in looking at all the new mediums in which we conduct our affairs and to make sure that there are safeguards in place so you are not taken advantage of. Um, and then price gouging. I can't, I can't get off this radio without talking about prices going up, say, for example, for insulin or something else. Um, price gouging is real, and there's a role for the AG's office to play there, too.
We're speaking with um, Attorney General Candidate Andrea Campbell, who's on the ballot tomorrow, September 6th, in the Democratic primary. Um, Andrea, I-, I thank you for joining us tonight. Before I let you go, um, do you want to make uh, one last pitch to the audience uh, to vote for you tomorrow? And uh, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, because you mentioned your opponent who- who's put $10 million of her own money, uh, or almost $10 million of her own money into, the, in- into her campaign. Uh, why you think that that um, isn't a good thing for an attorney general candidate to do? Thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, I'm really happy to be here and reminding folks that this is an important election tomorrow. This office can help folks with consumer protection issues, protect us as the Supreme Court is going backwards and taking away our rights. It can do a lot in the housing context, economic prosperity, mental health, the opioid crisis. And so much more. And that's just scratching the surface of what this office is capable of in helping people. Of course, I have to get there. And I've been stressing I have lived many of the challenges that residents are facing every day uh, and the, the the trauma and the pain of that. But I've always sought to turn that pain into purpose and to help people and dedicated my life as a public servant to doing just that. My opponent is looking to buy this election. She has spent close to $10 million of her own money and repeatedly said she's accountable to no one. The next attorney general must be accountable to the people. If you want the office to be the people's lawyer, representing the people's law firm, you want a candidate that has gone out to build the support, a grassroots operation. That's what I've done. That's what my volunteers and my team have done every single day. We're working to earn the support of voters, not to buy this election. And I hope that folks will go out, check my box, Andrea Campbell, um, and if folks go out and vote and really bring other folks with them, don't just go yourself. Tell five or ten other folks uh, in your network to also vote. We will be successful in this people-powered campaign. We'll win the day and say and really push back on a narrative that this $10 million that this person, my opponent, I should say, is trying to buy the election, that Massachusetts isn't for sale. So I hope folks will get out and vote tomorrow, and I hope to earn their support. And thank you so much for having me on. Andrea Campbell, candidate for attorney general on the ballot tomorrow, September 6th. Thanks for joining us, Andrea. Appreciate it. Thank you. Both of you have a great night. You as well. Bye. Um, Oh, sorry. Your mic's not on. (laughs) I like her. Yeah, yeah, I do too. She's great. You know, there's a difference when you've been a locally elected official. You know, Marcus, I know. Ian Abreu knows. And she knows. She's a city councilor. There's very little between you and the public when you're yes. at that level, right? Well, well, Kim Driscoll, who's going to be joining us, remember she said that. She's yep. basically like, it's it's not abstract. It's right. not like, right. in, in respect to the work our legislators do, it's not like, oh, well, I filed a bill on that. It's right. like, no, no, you can do something about this right. now. Right. You're going to see them at the grocery store. You're going right. to see them out in the community. So you know, I, they, I they do need think that her education as a, as a locally elected official and experience there, um, in my opinion, far outweighs... I get, I get what she's running on. She's had a tough life. There's, no, there's nothing taken away from her because she's very successful from someone who's come from such humble backgrounds. Sure. Um, but really, her time as an elected official on the ground in Boston, I think that education experience is really what's going to make her a good attorney general. Yeah, and so we've actually got uh, a, a, a full lineup. Dina DeZoglio is going to call in at 9.15. Um, I just spoke with her. Uh, Kim Driscoll's calling in at 10.35. In a minute, we should be joined by uh, auditor candidate Chris Dempsey uh, here um, on uh, on South Coast tonight. So, and uh, Shannon Lisbert and uh, Andrea Campbell's opponent is going to be on uh, at 9.05. She has to drive her limousine up to the station. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm joking around. I'm joking around. Listen, I, I listen. I, you know, I, I'm not one of these people who thinks that rich people shouldn't be in politics. In fact, I appreciate it. So um, I don't. I'm go with, bet you do. Yeah, I don't go. <laughs> I don't go with that line. That, I'll bet you do. I don't go with the line that she's trying to buy the election. But I get, I get her point. What else she's going to say? But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is, is well, it's Lee, interesting. I saw Reardon, 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 Shanless Reardon. She's she, just as accountable. She, 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 um, she. I saw her, she has a lot of Scott Lang's endorsement. I saw. I yeah, she does have she does have Scott Lang's endorsement. So, and you heard Scott Lang run some ads here. I did see um, Campbell's campaign manager compare Shannonless Rudin to Mike Bloomberg, Tom Steyer, and somebody else. Well, I think I think people liked Bloomberg as mayor, not so much as as a no no. But they're talking about the presidential election, right? She's t- talking about the presidential election, basically saying like. Listen. Her her income is Liz Reardon is much taller than Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> so we should be joined soon by a candidate for state auditor Chris Dempsey on the Democratic side, and uh, and he is a tall guy. He is tall. He's right. a tall guy. Yeah, he was in here. Uh, he was in here on Monday. No, not Monday. Two Mondays ago, actually. And um, he's definitely a tall guy. And I, and I hate when, you, like I said, people always said. Oh, Marcus, you're so tall. That's why like, I keep yeah, doing it. It's like I'm 33. I've heard this for a long time. You've probably heard it since what grade? Uh, since probably like fourth or fifth grade, really. Right. That's when it was like, oh, that's a, call, that's a tall guy. <laughs> that's a tall guy. Hey, but he plays so, basketball. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, What's the air up like? 508 What's the air like up there, Marcus? Oh, 0500. Good evening. Hey, guys. Barry, how are you? Hey, Barry. Hey, Barry. How you doing, buddy? Good, good, good. Listen, I want to, first of all, and I, I'm sure, I think I speak for the whole listening audience. You guys are hitting it out of the park, number one. Number two, the quality and the candidates that you're getting on your show is just off the charts. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And what you're bringing to us, uh, the, the, yeah, the information. Uh, saddest stuff. She's right Hi, here. guys. Hey. Hey, how you doing, Steph? That's a good show. Yep. That's a good show. Yeah, but, you know, the exchange, the balance. Uh, yeah, the quality of the candidates that, that you bring into us. And it's important that, that we get to hear the other side of the story, just not their ads. It, it's it's priceless, guys, what you guys are doing, and congratulations Thank with you, that. Sir. Thank and, you, Barry. Um, yep, and uh, real quick on uh, on Andrea. So um, my wife, Stephanie, and I, we were at Ian Abu's time, and we got to meet her on a more personal level. Let's face it. She's running for top cop. She's serious and um uh, more than qualified, but we got to meet her at Ian Abrams' time at the airport, and she was taking a couple of steps. Somebody had put out a little uh, a grease pit there, and, and we got to save her uh, by not putting her shoes into it. And um, she's been <laughs> befriended us uh, to the point that she's been texting us and um, said some kind words, uh, the passing of my mom recently. But um, as a top cop, uh, she's got a, a very soft side to her, and I uh, just wanted people to know that. And, and lastly, if you could, when you get these players on your stage, because it is a very big stage, if you could just continue to procreate and ask this question, if they are elected, would they appoint or consider appointing someone from our area, especially where uh, the, the uh, AG's office has as a local office here in New Bedford, someone to their higher staff or their cabinet. I think we need to promote that. We need to ask that. And we need to pressure or press these people to bring the South Coast to Boston with them. All right. Hey, Barry, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We're joined now by candidate for auditor Chris Dempsey. Hey, Chris, how you doing? 
Mark, it's great to be on with you. So glad that we could have a chance to connect with your listeners tonight. Absolutely. So um, if you could just briefly uh, reintroduce yourself to our audience and tell us why you're running for auditor. I'm Chris Dempsey. I'm on your Democratic primary ballot tomorrow for state auditor. Suzanne Bump is the incumbent. She is not seeking re-election after 12 years. She's the first woman to ever hold the office, and she's endorsed me to succeed her. So glad to be out there with a vision about how this office can be the chief accountability officer for Massachusetts taxpayers, and I'm the only candidate in this race with experience working in the executive branch of state government, but I've also worked outside of state government to stand up to protect taxpayers, including as the co-founder of the grassroots group No Boston Olympics where we took on the corporate interests that were pushing that bid, and we saved taxpayers $15 billion. So I have a, tr- a proven track record as a watchdog for the public interest, and that's what this role is all about. We're speaking with uh, candidate for auditor Chris Dempsey in the Democratic primary, who's on the ballot tomorrow, September 6th, So uh, on the Democratic ballot. So, uh, Chris, uh, you were Assistant Se- Secretary of Transportation. We're supposed to be getting South Coast Rail down here. We've been covering that for a little bit. Um, the MBTA is uh, sort of a mess right now. Um, how are you going to use your experience uh, as a transportation expert to fix the MBTA? Marcus, this is an issue that's deeply personal to me. I will be the first statewide elected official to commute to Beacon Hill on transit in over 30 years. Governor Mike Dukakis was the last person to do it. I'll be the next. But Mike I also Dukakis? Have I'll be the next Mike Dukakis? <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm going to the green line, right. just like Governor Dukakis did. And I have the professional experience to make the T work better. I served as Assistant Secretary of Transportation for Governor Deval Patrick. While I was there, I co-founded the MassDoc program that created all the smartphone apps that tell you when your bus or your train will come in real time. And those are serving bus riders across the state, not just in Boston. So I've worked inside of government. I've made it work better. I've stood up to protect the public interest, and I will make sure that public transportation is a top priority for this state. The South Coast has waited far too long, way too many decades for train service to return. When it does finally return next year, you want to make sure that it's safe, that it's reliable, that it's affordable, and we need more people focusing on that issue on Beacon Hill. So um, this is Chris McCarthy. Uh, Chris, um, your opponent is making a lot about the fact that you were sexually harassed and you stood up to that on Beacon Hill. Um, do you have any sort of victim status you'd like to advertise as why you would make the next great auditor? Uh, look, I, I respect uh, certainly what my opponent has shared about her personal history. I'm not running as someone who is uh, sharing that story. I'm running as someone who's going to look out for every single taxpayer in the Commonwealth, and I think that's what voters want. They want someone who's going to stand up for them, not take this office and use it as an opportunity to fight past battles. I agree. Thank you. So we're speaking with a candidate for auditor, uh, Chris Dempsey. Um, I just want to ask you briefly about your, you had, a, I think, a, a comprehensive cl- uh, plan to use the auditor's office to um, uh, to combat the uh, climate crisis. Can you talk about that a little bit and then uh, make your uh, last pitch um, uh, to the audience uh, to vote for you tomorrow, September 6th? So, Marcus, this role is about making state government more accountable. One of the things we need to make state government accountable to are the laws that are on the books that require state agencies to reduce emissions. And that doesn't just mean climate change. It also means the local air pollution that causes asthma and heart disease and other public health issues in communities across the Commonwealth, including on the South Coast. So I'm going to hold those agencies accountable for those laws. That's the job of the auditor. 
More broadly, I am running to make sure that all of state government is accountable, and I have that experience. I'm very proud of the endorsements that I've received on this campaign. You already heard me talk about incumbent state auditor, who is the first auditor bump, who's the first woman to ever hold the office and the person who knows the job the best. I've also been endorsed by 26 women legislators. Those are people who have served with my opponent for years. They represent collectively hundreds of years of experience on Deacon Hill, and they're endorsing my campaign. They know both candidates very well on this race, and they've come down on my side, and I hope that voters will pay attention to that as they're thinking about who to select in the in the booth. I'm going to maintain a fierce independence in this job. That is the most important thing in this role, but you also have to be collaborative. You have to be able to work with people. The only way you get things done in government is to be able to compromise, be able to sit down with people, hash out the differences, and get the job done. I've proven I can do that. And I want to do that for the people of Massachusetts. Chris Dempsey, candidate for auditor on the ballot tomorrow, September 6th, on the Democratic ballot. Thank you for calling us. Uh, thank you for calling us, Chris. Marcus and Chris, always great to be on with you. And I look forward to being back in the general election. Good luck. Good luck. So that was uh, auditor candidate Chris Dempsey. We should be joined by Kim Driscoll in like... 30 or so seconds. Okay. So it's an all-out blitz of, of uh, candidates. I want you all to – I wanted to get as many as I could in front of you guys. And I'm <laughs> I think it's fantastic, Marcus. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. It is, it is fun. I'm really appreciating it. Uh, a little bit of a lightning round. I mean, we have long-form conversations with all of these uh, candidates that you can find on WBSM.com on our podcast. Um, uh, yeah, on our podcast, anywhere where podcasts are offered. Um, we have a, a more in-depth conversation with them. But if you just want the Cliff Notes version now – ahead of uh, primary day tomorrow again most of these candidates all of the candidates that are calling in are democrats so if you're pulling if you're an unenrolled or a, dem- a registered democrat you want to pull that democratic ballot tomorrow right. these are the candidates that have agreed to come in front of you and introduce themselves so um so yeah and we'll be taking your calls in between at 508-996-0500 we do have chris dempsey's opponent dinah desaglio at nine fifteen. we have shameless word on at nine and we have uh mayor kim driscoll calling us uh very shortly so um, I, I like um, Driscoll. Yeah. And, and I like um, Dempsey right there. Um, you know, you, look, look. when I made the joke about Dukakis, he laughed. Yeah. And, and I appreciated that, right? Um, because obviously, Mike Dukakis is a beloved figure for a lot of Democrats. Yes. And he did do a lot with the T. And he was the one advocating South Coast Rail long yes. before anyone ever was just doing it. And I, I like Dempsey. I think Dempsey's very qualified. Yeah. He's got a lot. He's got an MBA. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's not a joke Harvard. degree. Yeah, it's not a joke degree. It's a very difficult program. It's very competitive. It's program. no JD, but it's, it's okay. Um, it's not. It's not <laughs> a JD. That's true. They do have a double JD MBA program. That's the one Mitt Romney went to. Yeah, I'm sure he did. At Harvard. So yes. The, um, yes, that's, actually, that's correct. He did. Uh, they have um, something similar to that at UMass Dartmouth. Yeah. You can get a business degree and a law degree at the same time. Um, if you're really high speed, low drag, as we said in the army, but I, I thought, um, I thought, uh, Dempsey did a nice job and, um, there's a bounty of riches, really. You know, the reality of it is, is that there is going to be a Republican opponent, um, uh, Anthony Amore, who's been here and he'll be back. Um, yeah, that, that's a significant he's opponent. Strong. He's strong. Yeah. Um, of course, Republicans, you have, um, some choices tomorrow as well. Um, on the on the for the governor's race, um, so don't feel completely left out now, Republicans. You go to the ballot tomorrow. Unenrolled, you can pull a Democrat or a Republican, and Republicans, you can pull the Republican ballot. And there are some choices tomorrow. For sure, there are definitely some choices. I had Chris Dempsey on uh, for about an hour, and uh, Chris Doty. Week. 
I mean, Chris Doty. That's what I meant. I had Chris Doty. There's too many. There's too, too many, many Chris's. There's never, you. There's Marky. There's Dempsey. There's, there's a Doty. guy who died on the cross. It is a lot. <laughs> so, uh, actually, we're joined now by um, by Mayor Kim Driscoll, candidate for lieutenant governor. Hey, Mayor Driscoll, thanks for joining us. Hey, Marcus. How's it going? Good, good. So, um, you know, you've been on with us. Uh, you know, you've been on with Chris and I uh, a couple of weeks ago. But if you want to just briefly reintroduce yourself to the audience and, and, and tell us why you're you're running for lieutenant governor. Yeah, sure. I'm Kim Driscoll, the mayor in Salem. I've been fortunate to be the mayor here for the last 16 years, the candidate for lieutenant governor, really excited about taking executive experience, someone who's been on the ground through COVID responses and recovery, working on transportation, affordable housing, checking in on what we can do to build a cleaner energy future as we move forward. I think that work really matters, and I'm hoping to be your next lieutenant governor to really champion the work of our cities. So much of the challenges we have at the state level require action locally, and that's a bridge I want to make uh, as your next lieutenant governor, really empowering and unlocking the potential of all of our communities. We're speaking with uh, Mayor Kim Driscoll of Salem, uh, candidate for lieutenant governor. So we've actually, uh, one of our friends, um, former Mayor Scott Lang, has been running ads here uh, on WBSM, uh, endorsing your run for uh, lieutenant governor. And um, uh, our, our other, uh, one of our other friends, uh, City Council President Ian Aber, has also endorsed your camp, uh, campaign for, for lieutenant governor. Um, how were you able to earn the uh, endorsements of two of New Bedford's probably more popular elected officials? Yeah, I'm really grateful for their support. Scott was a colleague uh, when I was first in office, and we worked together on a number of initiatives. And Ian, I've gotten to know more recently, and I I think as someone who recognizes uh, the strength and power of local government, when you think about the branch of government you rely on the most, it's typically what's happening on the local level, educating your kids, keeping your neighborhood safe, investing in those places where you make memories, and really wanting to do so in a way that leads to long-term economic prosperity. As local leaders, I think both Scott and Ian recognize that they'll have not just a partner, but a real strategic ally in the corner office if I'm elected lieutenant governor. And I'm really grateful for their support. We're speaking with uh, Kim Driscoll, candidate for lieutenant governor. Um, so, uh, so Mayor Driscoll, um, what Scott Lang actually said was um, that the lieutenant governor's position is sort of the um, point person for a lot of the municipalities in the Commonwealth handling those municipal issues. Um, how are you best suited for that? Well, as someone who's been in the trenches, I really know firsthand what communities need. I've been in Salem for the last 16 years. Prior to that, I worked in the city of Chelsea as they were coming out of receivership. Understand fully, like, the power of good government, what that means to people on the ground. And you're not just talking about challenges in the abstract. When you're mayor, you've got to get stuff done every day. And you're making decisions for people that you know, neighbors, friends, family members. I think it makes you a better listener. I think it makes you more accountable. And I think that's the experience that's really making a difference in this race. You've got to pass budgets. You've got to work to achieve a goal in your community by working with people who from the public sector, from the private sector, some of whom don't even support you. Um, And if you're good at it, you're able to get reelected. And so I'm fortunate that I've been reelected in my hometown, you know, for the last uh, 16 years. I'm on my fifth term. And I think that speaks to the ability to really move the needle on issues that matter, impacting the quality of life of places where people live. And look, we're in for some choppy waters. So having somebody who's got experience on the ground is really going to matter. So, Kim, I'm Chris McCarthy here. The, um, I was really impressed with you when you came and sat with us here in the studio. Um, will you make a commitment to come back should you get elected? Absolutely, Chris. I look forward to it. I think the South Coast, Greater New Bedford, Fall River, our gateway cities really have a lot to offer our Commonwealth. We know we can't be a successful state 
without our cities really thriving. And I want to play a leading role in that. And I would, I'd look forward to coming back and I, I really enjoy the time that I spend in New Bedford. So I look forward to doing, being able to do more of that. Lieutenant Governor candidate Kim Driscoll, Mayor of Salem, uh, on the on the ballot tomorrow, September sixth, in the Democratic primary. Thank you for joining us tonight, Mayor Good Driscoll. Luck, Good, Good luck. luck. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Chris. Hopefully, everybody gets out to vote. It's an important election, a lot at stake, and uh, we're hoping for a strong turnout. Thank you. Super. Thanks so much. So that was uh, Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll. I got to take this br- uh, candidate for lieutenant governor on the ballot tomorrow on the Democratic side. We got to take this break. We'll be right back. I like her a lot. Me too. Hey, Marcus. It's been a. Can you believe we're getting? It's the eve of the primary. It, I I can't I can't and uh, we're getting so many calls from people that are on the ballot tomorrow. Look, actually. I love all these candidates. Really, I want I want to say that again, folks. I know it's easy to say, oh, politicians, all this. Listen, it takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there. It takes a lot of money. You have to raise it or or give it your own. Yeah, it is a lot, and uh, you know, everybody's looking at you. Um, Open for scrutiny. You're very open for scrutiny. Everybody, and and that scrutiny comes whether it's deserved or not. Right. In a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, and yeah, it's hard to it's hard to raise all that money. And, and not only that, you're you're going from you're going from uh, corner to corner. You're going from P town to Pittsfield. Right. Uh, you know every single you know every single week. So it's it's quite an exhausting endeavor. Hey, listen, we got to take this break, and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Night with Chris and Marcus on WBSM. Oh, welcome back to South Coast. We've got a couple minutes. I'm Chris McCarthy. Of course, that's always always Marcus Farrell. I've gotten creative with our um, with our production. Marcus, team you're today. just creative with everything. Yeah, that's I am. Crazy. I'm a creative right? guy. You are I'm a creative. creative guy. I'm a creative guy. So, so you got to call him up at WBSM um, on your interview with. Uh, yeah, it was good with Chris Doty. With Chris Doty. Yeah, he was good. He was telling us his story um, of you know. The manufacturing and how we, you know, grew that business into basically what's an, an, an international business, and um, he was pers- like on a personal level very nice. Right. Um, so uh, you know, and he made very stark contrasts between Deal and Jeff Deal and himself. Right. Very stark contrast between Jeff Deal and himself. Uh, saying that he's an executive, he's got executive experience. He right. talked about that, and he said, uh, "What he said was Jeff Deal wouldn't make it past the first screening, which I thought was a brutal thing to say." But it's true. Yeah, right. Listen, listen. We're not talking again. Being a state rep is a hard job, but but it's among a lot of other people, right? Even a member of the state senate, it's it's an influential position, but you have other senators there to guide you or to correct you. This is the governor's office. Yeah. You're going to be there all by yourself making serious decisions. Jeff Deal is not ready for that. Yeah, so I think Chris Doty presented himself as someone uh, who's measured right. uh, and has a great deal of experience and uh, with making those decisions. Now, you know, you know my party affiliation, my political philosophies. Right. I don't plan on casting a ballot for him, right. but if you're a Republican... And you want a shot at winning? I mean, it seems that that is probably the way to go. So, Marcus, we've we've all seen that that uh, Jeff Deal is now not only taking on, um, trying to avoid taking on Cristodi, he's also opened up a war with with uh, or continuing a war with Howie Carr. Yeah, <laughs> Marcus, you tell me in what universe of Republican politics is Jeff Deal more influential or popular than Howie, Howie Carr? Carr? Right. right? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Jeff, let me tell you something. 
when the election's over for you tomorrow, Howie Carr will still be there waiting with a pitchfork to come after you, right? <laughs> yeah. He buys his ink by the barrel, his paper by the ream, and he owns a radio network. Right. He's going to skin you alive. Yeah. And uh, so, do you so talk do you, about bad planning? Do you are you calling it tomorrow for for Chris Doty? Is this the prediction? Well, I'm voting for 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 Doty. I know Tom Hodgson voted at the convention for Doty. Um, tell you the truth, I don't know enough about what's going on, honestly, to to make a prediction. I would say that I would like Doty to win. Yeah, I think that if you are a Republican who cares about having um, a legitimate person to vote for in November, you must vote for Chris Doty. I think that Chris Doty will not embarrass you. I think that Chris Doty has a future in Massachusetts, whether he wins or he loses, right? The thing about Chris Doty, I think it's important, is he made his investment a long time ago in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. He's not leaving. He has nowhere else to go, right? He, he, he's got in, people employed here. He's, he's dug in. He's with us, you know? Jeff Deal is like a gypsy, man. I don't, I mean, he, he fly, what, what's next? He's going to run for president? He's failing up. It's incredible. How do you, Mark, a, listen. A po political transient. Really? How do you Political run? vagrancy. How, political vagrancy. He, he, he was arrested outside that's Cumberland Farms. That's a good Farms. line. That's a, that's he a was good. arrested outside Cumberland Farms for political vagrancy, <laughs> right? I mean, how do you go, and again, I take Uber all the time, but how do you go from running for the United States Senate as a Republican nominee in Massachusetts to then being an Uber driver because you have no other plan. He told me he was a small business owner. I don't think that's true. Chris McCarthy is not mincing words about, I mean, this is, about listen, Jeff Deal. If Jeff Deal was running for rep, I'd say, okay, maybe I'd give him a vote. But because there's other reps there and it's a process, right? Um, it's not a bad place to start out. But he's running for governor. He's going to have... <laughs> In all kinds of people's fate in their in my in their hands, including my own. Right, right. So selfishly, I'm voting for Jeff Doty. Uh, for Chris, for Chris Doty. <laughs> all right, we got to take Jeff Deal. <laughs> take a break. Why should you download the? <laughs> I gotta tell you, man. As someone who's who's worked in that system, you'd be surprised at how much they get away with. I think I would be. I think I would be. <laughs> I mean, absolutely squalid conditions. I mean, just uh, just beyond what you, you didn't think is acceptable.